0: In 2006, Sylvester Stallone reprised one of his most beloved characters, Rocky, in the sixth installment of the Rocky series, Rocky Balboa. And while for me, I can't personally say that it is my favorite Rocky movie, I can say that it has my favorite line ever said in a movie, period. The famous line which Rocky said to his son trying to explain how to overcome challenges in life was this, It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And after just a few minutes of interviewing Jamie Kelsey for today's episode, that's exactly the line that she made me think of. Jamie is a fellow graduate of SUNY Cortland. She's a teacher and a mom. And oh, by the way, she's also a competitive bodybuilder who just placed fifth in the quarterfinals for Ms. Health and Fitness and on her way to earning her pro card. And while most people may not realize just how much work it takes to get that ripped physique on stage, it takes a lot more work to get through the mental fitness that is required to not only achieve success on stage, but success in life. My conversation with Jamie wasn't just about bodybuilding, but her rebuilding of her own life through hard work, positivity, and a no-quit attitude. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So are you ready? Three, two, one, let's go. Hey, everyone. What's going on? I'm Mike Fancher, and welcome back to this episode of the MyFit Method Podcast. I'm so excited you guys are here with us today, and I really hope you enjoy the inspirational and motivating conversation that I got to have with Jamie Kelsey. Now, before I get too deep into our conversation today, I do have a big ask for you. At the end of this episode, there is a very special request that I have to help someone in need. You'll understand as you get to the end of the episode, so please stick all the way through, so I do have a big ask at the end of the episode, and I hope that you are able to help. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jamie Kelsey. All right, so Jamie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, you are also a Cortland alumni, which is really cool. Uh, we graduated a few years apart, though. I graduated in 98. <laughs> what
1: year did you graduate? I was 2009.
0: Two thousand nine. All right. So yeah, we're uh, we're about ten years apart, eleven years apart on that standpoint. But I had a lot of fond memories of Cortland and I'm sure you did oh,
1: yeah. too. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Good time. So tell us a little bit about yourself because you are actually a you're a competitive bodybuilder. You're a competitive um, a fitness competitor, and I think that's a world for so many that people really don't understand it. What do you think some of the misconceptions are of competing in fitness and bodybuilding competitions?
1: Um, You know, it's so funny because I really didn't know a whole lot about it before I got into it. And that's just my personality is like, I'll see something and I just jump in. I don't even know what it entails. I'll just do it. (laughs) So, um, But I think a lot of the times, um, I think a lot of people don't understand the, um, the depth in that sport like when they say it's an extreme sport like it is an extreme sport um and it's really kind of you know when you look at a lot of the women who are like the bikini competitors for example it's kind of like a glitzy like a pretty sport but there's not a whole lot of pretty about it <laughs> and it's really funny because I had no idea what to expect so my first competition I just went in there like so nervous and like what about you know I'm gonna be on in competition with all these women, which a lot of us as women know when you get around a lot of other women and there's competition, it's not always it's not always nice. It's not always friendly and pretty. Right. <laughs> so I was very, very nervous. Um the the women that I have met through this journey are some of the most phenomenal women I've ever met in my life. Um, my first competition, you know, somebody was behind me and they said, Oh, you're, you know, your back your bikinis a little off. Let me fix it. Like everybody is just. I mean, it is the epitome of women supporting women and you don't do it for the aesthetics and you certainly have people that come in and they do it for the look. But when you, for example, like the last competition I did, it was, it was actually the first in OCB history of just all women athletes. There were no male shows there. And It was just so incredible. And when you were talking to these other women and they were talking about their stories of, you know, the number one question we get asked is, how did you become a bodybuilder? Man, you're going to get an answer. (laughs) Like You're going to get there. There's no shallow answer. I mean, there are such powerful, incredible stories with these women. And it's just the most amazing experience in the world that connection and so many of us are going oh my gosh you know I went through that too and now all of a sudden we're talking about what it's like to be a woman and how you know how empowering this was and how sometimes this saved our lives and you know talking about how it's influencing our kids and it's just it's just such an indescribable experience and I think that that's kind of what people really don't realize what goes behind like behind the scenes it's just such a supportive community and it's a community too where we're not afraid to talk about those heavy conversations <laughs> and those difficult conversations. those happen um, because they're such they're so deep rooted within us and a lot of us kind of had to find something to rebuild ourselves and find strength and and this was it. So um, I think that's kind of a big uh, a big point that people miss in that whole fitness industry
0: was interesting. I recently listened to a podcast, um, podcast is called modern wisdom with Chris Williamson and he had Chris Bumstead, uh, Mm -hmm. four time, Mr. Olympia on, and, you know, I followed bodybuilding all the way back since the early eighties. My dad was a bodybuilder, never competed, but I grew up in a household where, you know, my dad had huge biceps, big arms, (laughs) big chest, big shoulders. Um, you know, he had a weight bench in the basement that had the, um, you know the rails where you're you're setting the bar on the bench are literally this far apart. Um, you know, back in, in the old days. So it I grew up with it around me. In fact, I remember mm-hmm. even moving into Cortland, you know, when I moved into my room in Shea Hall. And the first time I had a roommate, you know, he's got pictures of Pearl Jam and Jimi Hendrix on his wall. And I have pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno and all these other guys. So bodybuilding has been just normal to me in, in my life. But listening to that interview with Chris Bumstead was amazing because you only think of bodybuilders as what you see from a physicality standpoint. And like you said, from an aesthetic standpoint
1: mm-hmm. and
0: listening to him talk was incredible. He was talking about how he's actually two different people. Um, he's Chris and he's C-Bum. And Chris is the guy that two weeks before the competition is bawling his eyes out in the bathroom because mm-hmm. it's so stressful and he's so worried about getting to the, you know, where he has to get from a body fat standpoint, from his hydration standpoint. And C-bum is the guy that walks onto the stage ready to crush the competition and, and destroy the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I loved It was probably the most real interview I've ever heard with a bodybuilder. Um, And I've met Arnold Schwarzenegger multiple times. I've been out to the Arnold Classic multiple times. Um, That conversation was the most real thing I've ever heard. And now hearing this from you with the same situation of the competition is fierce, I have no doubt. And people are very driven and want to be their best and beat their competition, which I totally get. But at the same time... There's an understanding that every one of those people on stage is also a human being with a story, with baggage, with weights on their shoulder uh, mm-hmm. that nobody knows about. And mm-hmm. that is really inspiring to hear your experience of being able, able to do that. That's incredible. Yeah. What, what was that initial allure? Like what, what was the day that you made the decision that you said, you know what? I'm going to go compete in a bodybuilding competition. <laughs>
1: do
0: you remember That's- that day?
1: I actually ask myself that whenever I'm in prep, <laughs> I go, what what was it that drew me to this?
0: <laughs>
1: Insanity, I think. Um, I, you know, I've become more open um about kind of um kind of coming out of where I was at the time and coming out of an abusive relationship and kind of where I was mentally, um, physically. I, you know, I was I was exhausted, I was so drained, I was just like empty. And you know, and I kind of I had gotten away. I started lifting initially when I, about 2012 is when I really started lifting. Um, but in that relationship in that time from 2018 till about 2020, 2021, um, I'd stopped because, you know, here was this person saying, I hate that you get up early in the morning. I hate that, you know, you're so motivated. I hate this. Like you were all about personal growth and I hate that. And You know, so I started to hate it, but I got to that point when I got out of there, I just had to, you know, I knew that I needed to get back into taking care of myself. And and the first step before I got to that mental and emotional part is I knew that I had to get that physical. I had to get moving. I had to do something that I knew I loved. And um, really from there, I mean, going from a place where I felt so weak and I felt like I had nothing to offer and I wasn't worthy of things. And now all of a sudden I'm in a gym and, you know, I start with, you know, like a 30 pound dumbbell, then I'm at 35, then I'm at 45. Next thing you know, I'm pushing fifties, you know, then I'm lifting. I mean, the day that I got on a leg press and I was lifting 600 pounds, I was just like, boom, like to, you know, Jamie 2008, you can take that. (laughs) So, you know, it just, I knew that I had started lifting and everything. um, And I knew that I was feeling good about, okay, I'm on the right path here. And I'd watched um, a friend of mine through social media. Actually, I'd never met her in person, but I knew her through social media. Um, I saw her. She became a bodybuilder. And I just, you know, I'm sitting there quietly watching. (laughs) And I'm just like, whatever, like whatever Kool-Aid she's sipping on, I want that. (laughs) Because, Excellent. you know, yeah, and her, her life just drastically improved. And I saw her like she was, you know, yeah, I mean, she's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But like, she didn't just look beautiful. like, She looked strong. She looked confident. And I'm just like, that's, that's what I want. And I literally just said like, no, okay, I want to compete before I'm 40. And next thing I know, I'm like competing six months later.
0: So <laughs> That's amazing. That is, you know, I feel like um, in times of struggle, Uh, When our back's against the wall, people have two choices that they can make. They can either cower in the corner and decide to continue to have your back against the wall and decide to continue to let the weight of the world just push on you uh, to the point where it it crushes you, it crushes your spirit, it crushes your drive, or you can be the other person. And as I call it these days, because he's become so popular, you know, the David Goggins comes out where um, (laughs) Goggins is like, no, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the suffering and I'm going to learn how to perform when I'm suffering. Because if I can perform when I'm suffering, I can perform at any other situation. I can prepare myself for anything that comes at me. Exactly. And starting that journey with your body specifically and making yourself strong. Everyone thinks lifting weights. Um, I've had people throughout the year say to me, oh, you know, lifting weights, it's so vain. It's so this, it's so that. Um, I don't lift weights for my body. And as crazy as this sounds, um you know, I've been lifting a long time. I lift for my mind, and the effects that lifting has on my body, whether my muscles grow, whether I'm stronger, whether I'm faster, that's actually a byproduct of me lifting for my mind yep. for my <laughs> mental status. So I that's an amazing story, and I just want to commend you because, you had a, you had a choice that you could make. You could either sit there with your back against the wall or you could push and you could go forward and nice. you absolutely Goggins it. So great job.
1: I, Goggins has gotten me through a lot of my preps too. A lot of my pull-ups too. When I feel like I can't do more, I'm like, David Goggins. Do more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that the, the memes and the videos that are coming out, you know, where people are like, Oh, I don't want to work out today. And then they're like, Oh, freaking David Goggins. And then they yeah. go and work out like, you know, <laughs> he's definitely had a huge impact on me. He's had a huge mm-hmm. impact on my kids because, you know, we live in this world today where we want to be comfortable. We want to be soft. We want everything yes. to just be okay. Mm-hmm. And that is not the world we live in. And people can't understand why do I feel so sad? Why, am I, yeah. why do I feel like I'm so incapable of doing something? And uh, I just, that that's an amazing story. Let me ask though, because in bodybuilding, it's one thing to start. Like I know so many people that have to start a fitness program and sometimes that's the most difficult part for people. But for those of us that have lifted for a really long time, we've lost the, I guess you say empathy for how do you start and how do you get moving? Because nobody respects how hard it is to maintain or to continue to grow. When someone starts a fitness program and they lose 50 pounds, everybody celebrates but people mm-hmm. don't realize how much work goes into just maintaining when you are fit or where you are so how do you maintain a competitive mindset that i would imagine is crucial in bodybuilding
1: well that's it's pretty easy it's me versus me every single day you know it's 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 just me versus me i am i'm one of those people actually that i am I've always been like, I don't really fit in with a lot of other people and I'm very competitive. I've always had that athlete's mindset, but I'm not good with being complacent, being comfortable. And so when I'm around people that are complacent, I'm like just comfortable where they are. I I don't fit in with that. So um, that comparison game, like I don't, I don't play that anymore, but every single day I'm always looking, am I better than I was yesterday? And, you know, where is, where am I going? Where am I now? Right. Where was I? There I was. Now that's what I got to beat. So, you know, even for example, you know, going from day to day, just in the gym, is I'm looking at my logbook every single day and I'm saying, okay, you know, yesterday I ended at, you know, what, 45 pounds. So today I got to go up. I got to make sure I'm ending at 50. So it's every single day, as long as I'm getting 1% better, like I'm just competing with myself over and over again. And that's all it is. And I think people don't realize too, because they kind of think like, oh, that's awesome. And it's like, kind of glorified in a way but I'm like look what I do is very it's boring it's monotonous (laughs) I mean I eat especially when I'm in prep I mean I'm eating the same things over and over again (laughs) I'm doing the same thing over like my schedule to the day or to the minute is just it's the same every single day and that's what you've got to realize is that when you you want to get better you just got to do the same thing Over and over again, you just got to do it better and better every day.
0: (laughs) It's the grunt work. It's the part that no one wants to think about. There's nothing (laughs) flashy about it. You know, as much as I love Goggins, I love Jocko uh, just as much. And he often says, you know, I win in the darkness because he starts his workouts every morning at 4 a.m. And he goes, I don't win on a stage. I don't win when somebody gives me a medal. I win when I'm just a little bit better each day than I was yesterday and nobody's there to see it, but me.
1: Yeah,
0: And you know, you don't have the expectation then of needing to get that uh, self-validation or anything from anyone else. You know what you put in, (laughs) so you know what you get out. Exactly. That's awesome. You kind of just touched on it, but mental resilience is a big thing. It's a big thing in society today, but When you're a competitive bodybuilder, a competitive fitness competitor, um, mental resilience is huge and you have to stay completely focused on your goals. When you deal with the ups and you have those days when you feel like, yep, I'm 1% better than I was yesterday, things are going pretty good. But how Mm -hmm. do you work through it when you don't feel that way and you feel like, all right, you know what? (laughs) that today's a down day how do you work your way through it because it happens to everybody it
1: does yeah it does um and you know and thankfully i'm i'm to a point where i don't have a lot of those um but again it really comes down to that building a habit and building consistency because the ultimate goal too and I, i i kind of consider myself like my whole story my whole backstory which isn't a pretty one But I consider it a blessing that I have it because really, if I didn't have that, I don't think that I would go through day to day and get through the things that I get through. And um, I know when I wake up in the morning and like when I'm in prep and I'm working full time, I'm going to work and I'm working with 100 kids all day. (laughs) And Then I come home and I got to work out and then I got to do cardio again. Like It's not easy, but I know the end result and I know why I'm doing it. And that's all that matters. Like I am I'm so laser focused on doing this for myself, making sure that I'm never in a position again. And I'm very comfortable in and saying that there's nothing that you could put in front of me that I won't bulldoze through right now in my life. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I couldn't say that before. But having that feeling and knowing that I'm the strongest mom, I'm the strongest person that I've been, I'm the strongest teacher I've been, like that all just all the bad stuff, it just gets tossed to the side because the only thing that matters is that I'm doing this for my son, I'm doing this for myself and I'm the best version of myself. Even on my worst days, I'm better than I was. (laughs) So it's really just you know holding on to that, why did I start and why am I doing this right now? Because I don't feel like doing it. It's kind of torture some days. (laughs) It is not fun, but why am I doing it? And I just kind of like, you just bulldoze right through it.
0: That's amazing. I, um, you know, it's funny as, since you are a competitive bodybuilder, I'm curious how often you get the question, so you just must work out all day long. And before they realize (laughs) you're a teacher, you're a mom, you have all the other responsibilities that every other person has. You don't get the luxury of just working Mm -hmm. out all day long. How often do you get that question? (laughs) Do you ever get someone to say that to you?
1: Um, yeah, I do get that. Like, and, uh, well I get a lot is like, well, how many hours are you in the gym every day? Like, well, I do, you know, a lot of other things <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. so
1: actually I have a life.
0: So let me ask uh, How many competitions have
1: you done? So I am like a little baby bodybuilder and okay. um, I've done two competitions so far. Um, my third, we were planning on doing November 4th. I've had some kind of health bumps. So I think we're going to push that back to next spring, which will be a, a really good thing for me. Excellent. Um, but yeah, got two under my belt. That's it.
0: So I would imagine then that set, setting very effective goals is essential for your progress. Can you describe kind of your approach? Like how do you set your goals uh, that are challenging, yet you want them achievable? And how do you map out your steps to achieve them? Specifically in the fitness, in the nutrition side.
1: Um, they kind of, well, I mean, they tend to change just <laughs> based on kind of what's happening. Um, you know, every single Saturday is my check-in day, so we get all of our biometric information there and we kind of like look at that and then adjust the next week. But I mean, um, I mean if I if I don't have a goal, it's really challenging because I'm like doing this and I'm like, okay, so what are we, what are we doing next? Um, and we try to set some pretty realistic goals, but you know, like for example, my goal right now is um, I'm not gonna stop until I go pro. <laughs> Which is a really tough thing to do sometimes here. Yes. <laughs> so Absolutely. My, but my goal is to go pro and I know that. And so, and and that's kind of why we're looking at November. And the reality is, is um, I actually, I had a shoulder injury and I've actually been on two weeks of rest, like strict rest, which is, I don't think people understand this so much harder yes. <laughs> than not going to the, yes. going to the gym. So <laughs> it's been really, really uh, it's such a struggle. Um, so I'm still doing my cardio, but I'm not allowed to lift at all. And so um, I had my first cortisone shot. We are trying to recover from that, but things aren't exactly going as planned. So we kind of had to shift that goal. And so it was November, but the reality is, okay, with the shoulder, there's no way that I'm going to walk onto stage conditioned to go pro in November. So we're going to push that back a little bit. So that was my goal. It changed, which is totally fine. Yep. Um, But I mean... When you have those goals, you're just, you're, you know, like you're acting um, day to day with a lot more precision because, again, like you know exactly where you want to go. And then so we know how to get there and you just kind of have to plan it out week to week and make little adjustments along the way.
0: You know, we live in a world today where all I keep reading about, whether it's on a meme, it's on some video on Instagram, whatever it is, we live in this world today of incessant motivation. Uh, everyone wants to be motivated. Everyone has to find this motivation to, uh, you know, to be able to do whatever they want to do, start whatever they want to start, <laughs> achieve their goals. What's your take on motivation? I know what yes. mine is, but I'd love to hear yours first.
1: <laughs> it's it's really funny because I don't know if you noticed my facial expression when you said that, and I, I just, did. <laughs>
0: <Whoa>. <laughs> so I'm thinking that our our takes on it are exactly the same. But go ahead. <laughs>
1: I, it's so funny. And I mean this in the most loving way possible, but I one of the most frequent statements that I hear from people is um, I wish I had your motivation. And it like I always have to be like, okay, let's not throw a punch. Like that's a little aggressive. <laughs> um it's just again, I think that's a huge misconception with you know, fitness and and with me, what I do every single day is I'm like, I am not motivated. 50% of the time, I'm really not motivated, <laughs> Like you know, and it, it comes down to discipline. Like motivation is, I, I mean, really, I think it's garbage. Like it's good for your first little step, I guess. But I mean, motivation is is what? I mean, it's like, you know, um, Zig Ziglar, I think was the one who said motivation, you know, goes away to, uh, sh- like showering. That's why we shower every day because you start to smell, right? <laughs> so like it, it wears off. Motivation is the same kind of concept. You got to do it. You got to get yourself motivated every single day because it wears off. Discipline is not going to wear off. So if you get yourself into this, you know, this consistency and these daily habits and you are disciplined because you know what you want, you know, where you want to be, you know who you want to become in that process. That's what's going to get you to your goals. Motivation is not going to get you there. You know? So
0: 100% drives me nuts. Yeah. It's, um, You know, motivation is actually a drug, and what's mm-hmm. interesting is that uh, technology companies today have mastered the art of getting people to be motivated. And What we've actually created are motivated procrastinators. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are so motivated to do something, but before they execute, they need to find a little bit more motivation uh, before they actually take that first step. And then they get that motivation, they're like, "Ah, oh, it just wasn't enough. I need one more bit of motivation." And it's a hamster wheel of motivation that they can't get off of, which is why they, in my opinion, people don't understand the value of just taking action. If you just go and, you know, I think we're in a world today where, we have so much knowledge available at our fingertips. We're constantly looking for the perfect way to do it. So we're looking for the perfect workout routine, the perfect nutrition plan, the perfect weight loss program, whatever it is, instead of just saying, I'm going to start with X for the next 30 days, because no matter what I do 30 days from now, I'm going to be better than I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to get motivated to do that. And, you know... I, I just wrote a book on dopamine and dopamine is literally a, a motivation drug. Um, and we love to get it. We love to be like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this business and it's going to be amazing. And, but I can't because I'm not, it's not the perfect time. It's not this, it's not that, you know, to say what is the perfect time? There never is a perfect time. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to do it. And yeah. imperfect action is better than doing nothing every single time. Oh
1: yeah. Love
0: that. Well, perfect answer. By the way, completely agree, one (laughs) hundred percent. Because really, in the end, it's execution is where people stumble, and it sounds like you've gotten very good at making the transition from setting a goal to actually taking the actionable steps. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there specific strategies that you use to keep yourself accountable besides just your intense discipline that you use?
1: Uh, I mean, (laughs) I always say to people um, that come to me and ask, like, what should I do. Hire a coach, number one. Hire a coach, hire a coach, hire a coach. I cannot stress it enough. Um, You know, I'm a single mom, and I think uh, you know, and I I can't speak to men because I'm not one, but um, I can at least I know a lot of you know my female friends, myself, especially as women as mothers, is we kind of have this like guilt or like this we kind of carry this like feeling of shame, like if we have to number one ask for help with something because we're supposed to do it by ourselves and figure it all out. And two, if we're investing in ourselves, like for me, it was, it's been, you know, it's always hard for me to invest, like financially invest in myself when I have a family to take care of. And I think I had to kind of make that shift of saying like, well, hold on a second. If I invest in myself, I can better serve the people around me. So... The number one thing I tell everyone is hire a coach because then you are accountable. And not only are you accountable, but now I'm like, okay, I'm giving her a paycheck. I better get myself in gear and make sure <laughs> that I'm working and this is working because I'm I'm investing in this. So I have more buy-in in that too. And I think when you're investing in something and you have to buy in for that, you're not going to waste it. You know, it would be stupid if I was sitting here and just not doing what she's telling me to do and everything, because I'd be just throwing money away. Right. So I think that helps a lot. And, um, you know, and there are a few and far days between where I have, where I'm like, I don't feel like doing something. Um, I've never skipped a workout in the last two, two and a half years. I've never skipped a workout, but I mean, she's always there if I'm having a rough day and for that tough love to say, Me, I know. Okay. (laughs) Yes, you're right. I'm being a wimp. I'm just complaining. I got it. I'm on it.
0: (laughs) You know, there's two things that kind of come to mind of what you were just saying. And one is that, and I've heard the same thing, women, especially, they feel very guilty when they're taking the time to invest in themselves Mm -hmm. um, because time is probably the most valuable asset uh, that we have every day. Mm -hmm. But yet there's a reason when we get on an airplane and that flight attendant's going through the process of telling us how our oxygen's going to drop down and what is the one thing they tell you that you put your own oxygen on first before you help your child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people vehemently disagree with that. And so many of them are the same people who don't invest anything in themselves because they want to give everything to their their kids, not realizing they can't. Because then yeah. they're they're not at that point. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that really came to mind is that, you know, we as a society today, we don't value personal responsibility. We don't value the work ethic that goes into something. When our kids get to see us take care of ourselves, what are we teaching them? We're going to teach them to take care of themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. One of my
0: favorite quotes I've ever heard is. Every parent that I know will die for their kids. They take a bullet for their kids. The question is, would they live healthy for them? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a testament to work. It's not a split second decision of jumping in front of a bullet for your kids. Right. Um, it's what are you doing? What are you teaching them? What are you showing them that's important? And trust me, we live in a society today where uh, you know 95% of what people eat is processed food that has no true nutritional value. Um, it is calorically dense. So it's putting massive amounts of, you know, body fat on people's bodies. It's destroying their circulatory system. It's, it's just, but if we can be healthy and live healthy and show that, you know what, it's okay to take time for you. It's okay to be strong. Um, Mm -hmm. self-care should not be a bad word. Um, it should be the first (laughs) thing we keep, we teach kids today. So I completely agree with you. Let me ask though, so you have discipline, you use your coach, but just like everything else in life, we are easily distracted sometimes by shiny objects. And we're like, oh, should I go do that? Should I go do this? And shiny objects (laughs) can absolutely derail progress. Do you have any tactics or things that that you use to really maintain your focus, avoid getting sidetracked? Um, by any external factor or any negative influences. Cause I can imagine there are also some negative influences that come into your life from time to time.
1: Oh yeah. Um well negative influences, that's that's really easy. I just get rid of them. Okay. <laughs> um, that has been a very it's honestly it's been a very um, it's been a tough lesson. It's been a hard process. Um it's been a lot of like learning about myself. Um and again like really acknowledging those and I'm I'm generally generally the negative influences in my life are people mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you know and I'm I'm one of those people where I am I'm loyal I'm very loyal to a fault so I will keep those people around a lot longer than I probably should um not anymore but you know I have but it's just again knowing that knowing who I am and having you know that amount of the amount of confidence and self-worth like I'm very sure I know who I am you're not going to shake me I, I know what I stand for it's not changing for anyone um, so I think again taking care of myself making myself a priority and really you know again finding that self-worth and kind of living in this um, kind of living from this place of abundance instead of you know living in this place of scarcity which I have for you know the majority of my life is I love myself now enough to know those aren't my people. I don't want them around me because they're just they're distractions. I call them vampires because they suck the life out of me. I don't want them around me. So, those I get rid of pretty quickly. I I really don't have I don't even have a circle anymore. I pretty much have a dot because I just, you know, I just <laughs> <laughs> I just want good people who are who are building me up around me. And as far as kind of I am I'm oh my gosh, ask my kids, my students. I'm very easily distracted and like I'm like shiny object, okay, off task. <laughs> that's me. So I've really had to work hard to make sure that when I when it comes to my training, my whole day, all of my tasks, errors, anything is around my training. So it all revolves around my training, my eating. It annoys the living crap out of everybody that lives close to me. <laughs> it's like, like my parents, it drives them nuts. <laughs> um, but that's just the way it is, you know? And so... Um, I've blocked off this time and I've committed to that. Those are non-negotiables. Okay, so this time is my time for cardio. This is my time for training. This is my time for eating. Everything else, I'm just squeezing it around there. And if I don't get to it, I don't get to it. It's that simple. It's that that hard, but it's that simple.
0: (laughs) So, you know, you brought up a good point that I've heard the quote before, you're the average of the five people that you hang around the most. Um, You're also the average of the five habits. That you most frequently, you know, embellish in, in, a, in a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like you absolutely live that lifestyle and make sure that in order to achieve the goals that you want to achieve, you are doing exactly the things that you need to do.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: This is a kind of a funny question because you just touched on it a little bit, but I hear a lot today about work life balance, just balance in general in their lives. I hear people say things all the time. And, and I, I hear it for me in a very different way. I'm, I'm not a competitive uh, bodybuilder by any means, but I hear it in a different way where people are like, why do you spend so much? Like You work all day. So I work in the healthcare industry all day long. And then I come home and they're like, how do you find time to write your books? How do you find time to do your podcast? How do you find mm-hmm. time to... I don't find time. There is no such thing as finding time to do anything. We all have the exact same 24 hours in a day. I prioritize time for what I want to do and what I think is important. Balance. When people say, how do you find balance in your training, balance in your nutrition, balance in your life, balance as a mom, balance as a teacher? Do you think it's even a fair question? Because I, I don't even <laughs> think balance is a word I think about. I think of, I have X number of minutes in a day, mm-hmm. and this is what I have to accomplish in X number of minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't try to balance anything. What is your take right.
1: on that? Um, yeah, there's there's nothing really that's, that's balanced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's exactly it. And, you know, I did have somebody years ago who asked me about, you know, everything that you're doing. And I wasn't even a bodybuilder at the time, but um, just being a single mom working, I was working like three jobs and doing, you know, trying to change the world. And he'd said, like, well, how do you find the time to do everything? And that's exactly what I said. It's like, oh, you don't find time. It's not even a thing. <laughs> like, you have to prioritize what it is that you want out of your day. And that's, that's where you go with it. Like, you build in blocks of time. Like, you literally just, you know, create the time that you, that you want in something. Um, but I mean, that's exactly what it is, is it's just about prioritizing your day. Um, so, Do I balance everything perfectly? No, you know. And I mean, it's it's been hard too, especially as a teacher. I mean, I I am at a point where now in my career, I mean, when I come home, I'm home. I'm mom and I'm a bodybuilder. (laughs) And that's it. Um, you know, teacher switches shutting off. So it's also been finding finding ways at work to um go through and make make it so that I'm getting my job done at work. So like when I'm in my planning periods, I close my doors. I love the people I work with. I, I would love to talk to them. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I do, but it's a priority to make sure that I get this stuff done so that when I go home, that I'm getting all that stuff done too. So again, it is it is about just prioritizing everything.
0: One of my favorite quotes was from Arnold Schwarzenegger and someone once asked, once asked him um, about the fact that Arnold only sleeps four to six hours a night. And they said to Arnold, you know, I I can't do that. I I really like my sleep. I need to get my eight hours. And Arnold's response was, it's no problem at all, just sleep faster. Mm -hmm. And you could see the guy looked at him like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, Shorter, sleep less. You're saying sleep faster. And, you know, I, for myself, I've always found my most creative time in a day is between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. I've, you know, my whole first book was pretty much written during that timeframe, uh, every day. And people would be like, how do you function? How do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? What is your morning routine? I get that one a lot. Like, you know, what is mm-hmm. your morning routine? Um, do you have one, do you have a morning routine that keeps you focused, that keeps you steady, or do you find you address your mornings based on the needs of that specific morning?
1: Oh no! There's morning routine. Oh. <laughs> every, there's every every minute of my day is routine. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, you like to be successful to genuinely. I mean, the most successful people have morning routines, and really, I love that time in the morning when everything is silent, when there's no disruptions. Um, that's when I'm the most most productive. Um, now I have to laugh because I was, you know. One of those, okay, I get about four hours of sleep and now I can't do that. My coach yells at me frequently for this <laughs> because of that rest and recovery. Like you really do. And I mean, sebum has talked about this too. And anybody in bodybuilding will talk about that is how important your sleep is. Um, We're not all Arnold. Nope. <laughs> he, he's an anomaly 100
0: <laughs> <100%. Yeah. laughs> percent
1: but um so that that's been kind of challenging is um but again i make sure that i'm in bed by nine o'clock everybody makes fun of me i'm like the granny but i'm in bed by nine o'clock because i have to be <laughs>
0: right. you know and i'm
1: i'm up before everybody but um yeah i mean i've got to have my my little morning routine of everything that i do like right before um i hop onto like my fast and cardio in the morning but it's it's got to be routine. And I think too, I think people don't realize too how exhausting it is to think about things. (laughs) And so that's why like meal prep is so important. And that's why your routines are so important is because you don't have to think about these things. They're just just automatic. So you're taking that energy and you're you're saving that. I don't waste my energy anymore thinking about, well, you know, what am I going to eat for this meal? Or what am I going to eat later? What am I going to do this morning? Like, I don't think about it. I just get up and you do it.
0: Agreed. Do you have a key? Um, I don't know if you've ever read um, the book Atomic Habits, which I thought was a really great book. Um,
1: one of my favorites. Yes.
0: <laughs> only downside that I I don't say I disagreed with with in the book was James Clear is very much about you have to do the same habits on a regular basis. And I the one part I don't think he really touched on was. I completely agree, but you do have, you do want a goal that you're working towards as to why you're doing those habits on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. specifically, do that. One of the things I most found most fascinating about his book was the utilization of micro habits. So, for so many people, especially, like example I'll use is someone is uh, trying to start a fitness program, and they get home from work and they find they just don't have the drive or anything at that point. to to be able to actually complete their fitness plan. They jump out, they get home from work. The first thing they do is they change into some comfy clothes. Uh, They sit down, they turn on Facebook for a minute, they watch a quick Netflix show. And then a few hours later, they're frustrated with themselves because they can't figure out, why did I not do that 20-minute workout? It was only 20 minutes. I've been home for four hours. And if you think about it, the biggest mistake they made was when they got home, they got in their comfy clothes. If they just got Mm -hmm. home and put on their... Uh, their gym clothes right out of the gate or had their gym bag packed. It's one less thing to think about. For me personally, it makes a huge difference. If I can remove a step from the process, I am so much more likely to yes. execute on the action that I need to do. Do you have specific micro habits that you find work really well in, uh, not only in your competitive lifestyle, but just as a person, as a teacher, and as a mom? Um, well,
1: I have to laugh because um, when I know I have the cardio at you know, I'm I'm up and I'm on my treadmill by three o'clock in the morning on school days. I sleep in my clothes. <laughs> so again,
0: <laughs> the ultimate <laughs> micro habit. I,
1: but I found that if I'm, if I, I mean, I wake up and i'm ready i'm literally ready to go <laughs> so but again it's it's taking some time off of that and it's i don't have to think about it and it is stuff like everything is laid out and again it it really does come back to that schedule too is making sure that i know that this is exactly when i am taking my supplements this is when i am eating every single meal this is when i'm hitting the gym this is when my cardio is this is when my hit when i'm doing that like just eliminating everything that you possibly can to save time in your day and to save thinking. Um, I do it. And that's laying out. I mean, I have all of my outfits picked out and I'm very, I usually dress a little nicer than this. So <laughs> this is just my <laughs> you know baggy t-shirt. T- 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 <laughs> these are my gym <laughs> um, bows. But I mean, my outfits for school, my shoes and everything. I'm very well known for my outfits and the fashionista stuff, but those are all picked out for the week, Sunday night, done. I don't have to think about it. (laughs) So it's just, it's just everything like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better about even down to like my laundry. Okay. Now we got towels on our own Tuesday. (laughs) That's how it gets done. It's it's just building that habit. That's when they do, um, you know, my son's clothes are, Oh gosh, when he gets them to me, um, (laughs) usually weekends, you know, and it's, it's Saturdays. So, uh, again, it's that really making sure that you build that schedule, lay everything out, have everything ready to go, um, and sleep in your workout clothes when you work out in the morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's the ultimate tip of the day for everybody listening. Sleep in your workout clothes. I love it. Uh, you know, you brought up a word we haven't really talked about yet, which is supplementation. Comes um, up a lot today. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember way back in the day. I think the first supplements I ever took was called Hot Stuff, which had like 55 different supplements in one. Um, (laughs) It literally tasted like uh, cardboard plus skunk cabbage. It was totally disgusting, and yet we drank it every day. Um, I remember actually being in Cortland and. When I was in court, it was the first time creatine actually came out. Um, I was a student at the time, and all of a sudden, there was this wonder supplement called creatine. And mm-hmm. uh, for every study that came out that showed that creatine was a very good thing for you know muscle growth, being able to push farther in your workouts, uh, ten studies would suddenly come out and says, "No, creatine's bad for you, and it's going to kill your your kidneys." And now, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I'm watching studies come out that say, "Yeah." creatine isn't just for muscles and improves your neuro uh, neurological function, improves your overall circulatory system, your blood flow, so many different things. So talk to me a little bit about supplementation from the standpoint of what you do off season. And how does that change on season?
1: Um, So not a lot changes, um, on season, and off season, to be honest with you. The only thing is, um, when I'm going into prep is sometimes we'll implement, um, different fat burners. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm off season and a growth season, obviously I'm not going to be using fat burners. Um, but it's so funny that you bring that up just because that's a, actually a huge question that people ask me all the time. Is like, oh, what supplements are, should I be taking? And I'm like, you're literally doing your first workout. You, you want to <laughs> lose 70 pounds. Don't worry about your supplements. <laughs> like that's not, <laughs> that's not what we're going to focus on here. <laughs> 100%. I, um, but it is, I did have somebody who would ask like, okay, well, if there's one supplement you could recommend, what would it be? And it's, it's creatine, um, all day, every day. <laughs> so, you know, that stays the same for me every single day. Um, during my workouts, um, I always have my EAAs, um, BCAA is fine too. Um, and I take, um, my magnesium, you know, my vitamin C, um, those are, every single day. Um, I take a multivitamin and a probiotic, but those are consistent every single day, same time every single day. Nope. <laughs> same amount. Do I measure my creatine? You bet I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> I actually remember, um I remember when Metrex was formed. I remember when EAS was formed And actually in 1990. Oh, geez. 99 or 2000. Uh, EAS came out with really what was the first international fitness competition. It was one of the first of what change can you make for yourself in 12 weeks? Or they had eight weeks versions of it. And they have you holding the newspaper, um, you know, what you were before and what you were after. And EAS was really the first company. Bill Phillips was the first company to really come out and, and do that. And uh, I had the awesome opportunity of being one of the winners of it uh, for the eight week sprint. Oh, and awesome. it was a point in my life where um, my training had just gotten completely derailed. My nutrition had gotten derailed. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time with our, our first baby. And um, I remember uh, her getting out of the shower one day and I realized that I looked more pregnant than my wife did. And I was like, okay, yeah, the, you know, this is terrible. I have a degree in exercise physiology. and But there's a world of difference in knowing what to do and actually doing it. Oh, yeah. And I remember for 12 weeks hard, you know, I just hit it really hard and went from truly a guy who looked pregnant, no doubt about it, um to ripped abs, you know, body fat right where it needed to be. I was probably down at that point to about 7 or 8%, which was much better than I was when mm-hmm. I started and in a short amount of time. And I really realized, you know, people think, "Oh my gosh, it's going to take me 3 years to lose 50 pounds. Um, you don't have to be David Goggins to lose a hundred pounds in three months. Um, if you just stay strict, you actually start doing what you say you're gonna do. Um, you can do it. And supplementation is a great way to get the extra edge and, and, and go a little bit further. But I completely agree with you. There are so many people that they want to start with a pill before they start with the action. Mm-hmm. And uh the pill's not gonna help.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's not really. I hear so many times and you know, it's so funny because so many people like they see you, they see those results. So they know whatever it is that you're doing works. And you know, they'll they'll reach out. And again, with all the love in the world, they'll say like, Oh, well, you know, I'm stuck. What do I have to do? And you know, you kind of give them, okay, we'll start here or there. Well, I can't do that. (laughs) Well, then you you have two hard hard choices in front of you. You can hard and stay where you are or hard and get where you want to go. You know, it's just, It's your choice.
0: Yes, I completely agree. 100%. So let me ask you a question because I think we both agree that motivation is really not a tool uh, that gets you where you want to go. But what is your take on visualization and being able to visualize where you want to go? Because that might, I'm wondering if your take's a little bit different.
1: Um, <laughs> as soon as you said that, it's so funny. So when, actually, when I was teaching down in Florida, they had actually hired me, I'm a Spanish teacher, and I've always been, but they actually hired me for some for another course. Um, it was called freshman seminar, and it was for all the freshmen. And it was, um, it was a course that I designed around the seven habits of highly effective people, teens. Um, and that's one of the big tabs that we talked about was visualization. Um, and, you know, and you see a lot of people and like, um, you know, that MLM world is huge and you see a lot of people doing the vision boards for that and stuff. And which I think is great. It's good. Good. Um, But I always think about in that course I taught, um, we watched an interview with Jim Carrey and it was before he done dumb and dumber. And he said that he took a check and he wrote it out to himself for a million dollars. And he kept that check (laughs) and he just like kept it in his wallet because he was so adamant saying, He's going to, he's going to do this. He's going to make it and he's going to be able to write that check. Um, so I actually have um, <laughs> a picture of myself on the front of my refrigerator and it's just me flexing and it's just me with the the ripped abs flexing. And it just says like, remember your goals. <laughs> so um, I think that visualization piece is, is important. Um it's going to look a little bit different, obviously, for everyone. Um, but I, I mean, I think it is really important. I think it's so important to write down your goals. I think if you're not writing them down and you don't have a visual of what that goal is going to look like, it's kind of just like, I don't know, I like to call it kind of like a dream deferred. <laughs> like, it's just this, you know, it's not real. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think that that visualization is 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 a huge important piece of that, and I mean, Jim Carrey proved us, proved us that that you know it works.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, you you mentioned before that people come up to you and they see the results of what you're doing. Um, They don't necessarily see the hard work that you put into it, but they see the results Mm -hmm. of what you're doing, and they see really they what they're saying is they see your success. But the part that a lot of people don't want to talk about the part that no one wants to talk about are the failures. You know, I've often found that the failures are actually more important than the success because you don't know what success is if you haven't failed and, <laughs> you know, failures it's part of any journey. Do you have a setback or something that you've faced over the years that you've managed to back bounce back stronger from? And I know you gave us your story initially of what, what uh, started you off, but have you had other situations where you've turned an experience really into a learning opportunity and then leapfrogged from it?
1: Um, this is so funny because I just had this conversation actually with my son probably about two hours ago. Okay. <laughs> he, he, on the same wavelength. <laughs> he went to like grab a glass and um, he he's very, very hard on himself. I don't know where he gets it from. <laughs> um, but he's incredibly hard on himself. Um, does not have a whole lot of grace for himself at all and can get himself pretty worked up. But I mean, he dropped a glass that shattered all over the floor and he looks at me immediately. Cause like, you know, that's my glass and he broke it kind of thing. And he's like, Oh, he's like, I'm just so frustrated. And obviously there was more to it than the glass he dropped. But, um, he said like, you know, I just don't take failure well. And I had to laugh cause I'm like, I know. (laughs) I know you don't. (laughs) And I'm like, none of us actually like failure. You know, I mean, I guess I'm a little sick because I kind of actually do. (laughs) I I, I, I have to be honest, I kind of enjoy failure because I'm like, oh, just wait, you know? Like, that's really my fuel, where my fuel comes from is my failures. Um, But I mean, just like him, I say the same thing to him. I say the same thing to my students, which, you know, will probably get me fired someday. Who knows? But I always tell them like, I'm probably one of the biggest failures you'll ever meet. Like I have failed more than I think anybody I know that I've ever met in my life, but I love it (laughs) Um, because it does, it builds your character. Um, It builds resilience and, uh, you know, um, I think was it John Maxwell where it was sometimes, sometimes you lose, sometimes we you learn, but that's just, that's, it's a lesson or a blessing. Every single experience in your life is a lesson or a blessing, period. And so, yeah, I mean, I've failed. I think I've probably failed seventeen times in the last hour. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's all the time. Um, and, you know, and it's funny too, I'll say that in my life, you know, I've been the greatest person, and I've been the worst person. Um, but again, all of that, the the bad things that have happened to me, the the bad experiences that I've had, the bad things that I've done, um, they've all catapulted me into becoming really the best version of myself. I mean, all of the hate that I've gotten in my life allows me to love on people more. All of the things that I failed miserably at, <laughs> you know, I can go back and I can I can tell everybody what not to do. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so it it really has allowed me to fine tune things and to kind of get things right. I think we, you know, every single one of us we have to kind of learn that we really fail forward. That's all we're doing on a day to day basis is we're just failing forward. That's exactly what success is. It's, you know, I, I mean, you can't tell me any person, any successful person who hasn't failed a million times before they succeeded at something, you know?
0: I think that um, something that I just realized that I'm pretty excited about is I have uh, every intention right now of, being your first interview when you have your pro card come spring. Uh, So I'm very much looking forward to that. So make sure you reach out as soon as you have that pro card in hand. uh, Because I have absolutely no doubt that you're going to have it and that you're going to get it. I think your mindset, uh, your attitude, everything that you're putting into it is exactly what you need to do to get to where you Mm want to go. And um, I'm looking forward to that day when you can uh, send me a message and say, hey, I just wanted to show this to you. Because uh, here's that pro card that I was talking about. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, yeah. Two final questions for you, if I may. Um, mm-hmm. Throughout your experiences, has there ever been a specific book, podcast, resource that really has significantly impacted your personal growth and your mindset? And if so, would you share it with the audience?
1: Oh, man. There are so many. Um, there's so many. So, um, David Goggins is one, his first and his second book. Um, you know, I think, um, especially those of us who have gone through some trauma, some of them, some, some of us who have gone through some, you know, not the most ideal childhoods. Um, it's so relatable and, you know, not everybody is going to be David Goggins. We can try, I try all the time, but I'm like, oh, David Goggins would be so disappointed in me right now. <laughs> um, but, Nonetheless, his story is is so incredible. It's so inspiring. So incredible. Um, there actually was a podcast I listened to. It was probably about a no, it was less than a year. It was probably six months ago or so. Um, and so, this woman, her name is Megan Long. She's um, she's uh, a competitive bodybuilder, and it is Nick Comodina. I think it was. I might be not saying that right, but. Um, they, oh man, this was like a it was a doozy of a podcast because it was one of those where you had to sit back and you really had to like humble yourself because you're listening to these two people speak and you're like, oh man, <laughs> there's no I do that, <laughs> um, but you know I, I talk a lot now um, as a result of them really as I talk a lot now and I reflect on my own life and kind of like you know they they really talk about how the universe will give you the energy the same energy that you're putting off and it's true and if you really sit down and you take a hard look at the energy that you're putting off it's not it's not easy and it's not always pretty to do that um but you know this podcast was something that was just it was um it was really really humbling and it kind of allowed me to really realize that I had to kind of take accountability now I'm not saying like people deserve what they get that's far from the truth but we all play a role in the things that we attract and that was a really really tough lesson for me but again like this podcast was just like such an eye opener and it really kind of took my training and everything that I do um even the way that I speak it really had me sit down and fine tune that because the reality was that I realized that when I looked at myself, that I was living for a very long time in this place of scarcity. and When you're coming from this place of, well, generally, internally, you don't feel that you're worthy of things. You're not going to get those things that you're truly worthy of. So (laughs) once you shift your mindset and you shift your speech to that of, you know, of abundance where you're saying, no, you know what, I do deserve that. So I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do this for myself because I do deserve that. Um, you know, even with your friendships, you know, my friendships have shifted massively in the last nine months or so. Um, but when you're evaluating your friendships and saying, why am I friends with that person? Or why do I associate with that person? Why is that person in my life? Is that serving me? Am I serving them or what kind of relationship is that? Um, you know, I noticed at least for myself that, I had these relationships where I was still coming from a place of scarcity. I was friends with these people because I didn't think I deserved better than those people. (laughs) So, you know, and they're not a part of my life anymore and I don't miss them. But I mean, just that all came from me sitting down, listening to a podcast. And I've, I've listened to this podcast probably, I don't know, at least 20 times just to kind of keep myself in check, but it was just one of the most, um, incredible things that I sat down and listened to and again it was just like ah like you had to rip yourself open a little bit and adjust and fine tune some things
0: <laughs> there's um it's amazing when you find whether it's a podcast a quote a book uh something that you really really connect with um I have one of those podcasts as well where I've probably listened to it 40 or 50 times at this point to the point where I can actually pretty much recite it along with the mm-hmm. podcast I've listened to it so often and it's a compilation of a lot of different people talking, everything from Jocko to David Goggins to, you know, a lot of the big inspirational people that are out there. And there's certain points to that podcast, no matter how often I've listened to it, it still sends chills straight up my spine. Mm -hmm. And I am convinced that they are actually speaking to me at that moment. (laughs) Um, And you do draw strength from it. And I don't, Call it motivation. Uh, in a way, I kind of call it a swift kick in the ass because that's pretty much mm-hmm. what it is. Sometimes to reset my mindset to get back to where I need to be. Um, right. I'm, not, I'm not looking for praise or motivation in that way. I'm looking for direction sometimes and a reminder of who I am and who I want to be. Right,
1: um, absolutely. It's
0: Important. <laughs> Finally, you know what? What message? What mantra? do you live by that you would like to share with our listeners as a source of inspiration?
1: I think Nike's got the, got it down with the, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. I don't know. That's always like, I get asked that a lot too. And I'm like, it's always such a tough question because I don't know. I mean, it's so simple as, I mean, literally it's so simple as like, do it. Or yes, you can. (laughs) Right. (laughs) really, you know, I could give you the longest speech in the world, but it's like, it comes down to like, yes, you can. Um, I think um, I talk a lot and I say a lot about the whole, you know, life is, I mean, there's, oh my gosh, it's just so incredible and it's beautiful and it's, you know, there's so much beauty and pain and, you know, you're not that suffering that we all, you know, that pain and the suffering that we all ultimately are going to experience. Like you have to look at that. And you have to sit with it and feel it and you really have to like see the beauty in that. And that might sound totally crazy, but that's really, I mean, that's where the sweet stuff is really, right? <laughs> it's in that suffering and that's how you're going to become more successful. Um But the craziest thing in the world to me still is just like every single minute that goes by, you have an opportunity to change whatever it is that you're doing. And it's like, how powerful are you? How powerful are we that we can do that? You know, and you really, all you have to just do is just make the decision and just say, we're going to do it. And you just do it. And then your whole entire life and the world around you changes. So It's just really, I think that people have to realize their power, like realize your power and, um, you know, we can give you all the information in the world. Ultimately, I hate it when people say knowledge is power too. I don't know, but it just like, it irks me because I'm like, knowledge is not, it's not power. The application of knowledge is power. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So it's just, I think. Go out there, learn about whatever it is that you want to do, and then just start applying it. Fail and fail, but just keep keep going. Because when you're doing that every single day, your whole world is going to change for the better. And you know, and we're so powerful; like we can do that.
0: Ironically, I I recorded a Facebook reel this morning, and the reel that I literally recorded this morning was literally almost what you just said. I said <laughs> uh, the reel was, you know, Eminem had it wrong, and sort of because he was right in saying that, you know, based on his, on his number one hit, lose yourself. um, If you had one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted um, in this moment, would you capture it or would you let it split? But where he had it wrong was that we get that opportunity every single day, Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. We like to think as a society, oh, well, I'm 40 now, I'm 50 now I've missed my opportunity. I didn't go to school or I did go to school, I missed my opportunity. I didn't get the promotion. I missed my opportunity. That's the biggest load of garbage that I've ever heard. Every single day, you have the opportunity to change you, change the life around you, change the environment around you, change the people around you. You've done a huge amount of that. You've affected how you view yourself and how you view your situation. You've affected... Mm -hmm. The relationships that are around you so literally all the things that you read in every single help self-help book that is out there today um you have executed on and that is just another testament to why come spring you'll have your pro card so <laughs> that is amazing uh jamie let me ask if anyone would love to follow you on their on your journey uh how could they find you if you're if that's something that they that they had the opportunity to do
1: um i am on instagram and i have been asked a lot to uh, share some more reels and some more things about you know what my typical day is like so I will be doing that but I'm on Instagram as um, Jamie Lee 711. So um they can follow me there.
0: Well, I have truly enjoyed our conversation today. You are a very inspiring individual. Uh keep thank doing the know. amazing things that you are doing and uh definitely keep sharing everything that that you're working on because I think a lot of other people will find it very inspiring as well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and, you know, for all of our listeners, again if you want to follow Jamie, you could do it and thank you so much for being on today.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs>
0: So everyone, I hope you guys did enjoy this episode and Jamie, thank you so much for being on it. But now I do have a big ask of the audience. Just about a week after Jamie and I recorded this episode, her brother's apartment actually burned last week, burned down to the ground. Both he and his son lost everything in the fire. They live in Nashville and a GoFundMe has been started to try to get them back on their road to recovery. If you have the means to make a donation, I have put the link in the podcast description uh, for this episode. I would greatly appreciate it. And I know Jamie's brother and his son would greatly appreciate it too. Thank you guys so much for listening every week. Let's put a little bit of good out there into the world. So stay driven, everybody. And until next time.